Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Sister Wives, Season 5, Episode 2, Cody Begs for an Answer. Logan graduates this episode, and Robin is late. Of course, she has to put all the attention on herself, walking in late, causing Janelle to be so stressed out from the experience of Cody being so preoccupied with this that Janelle is fumbling with her camera and she misses the moment when Logan gets his diploma. All of the sister wives and Cody go as a group this episode to the kids' parent-teacher conferences. And you could tell it's just for the cameras. You can really tell that the moms and Cody probably rarely go all together for these things. It's super awkward, but of course, it's a great filming opportunity. So this year, all of the wives and Cody attend their high school students' parent-teacher conferences as a group. Robin was late to Logan's graduation, and she claimed she just couldn't find the auditorium. And she couldn't find the right parking, so she missed Logan graduate. And she also succeeded in distracting Janelle and Cody from being fully present at the graduation as well. Robin says she planned on being late because she knew that baby Solomon just couldn't sit for the whole ceremony. But my question is, Robin came alone and she came with Saul. So obviously her sister, the nanny, is at home at this time watching Robin's other kids. Why wasn't the nanny watching Saul too? It seemed to me like an excuse and it seemed intentional that Robin missed Logan's big moment. And on top of that, Robin's lateness created a lot of frustration during Logan's graduation. All of the wives were very annoyed at Cody because Cody was so worried about Robin not being there that he left his seat and he was very preoccupied with finding her. The wives were pissed that Robin really took Cody's focus off of his son graduating. It was super disrespectful of Robin to be late, and this isn't the first time Robin has been disrespectful to Cody's kids. It didn't really seem like Robin cared. If this was any of the Browns being late to her kids' graduation, her son or her daughter, and they were creating a distraction for Cody, Robin would be livid. She would be saying that, oh, they did this on purpose. They don't accept me. They don't accept my kids. And that's why they did this. Robin was late. She didn't seem sorry. And Robin kind of pinned it on Janelle being disorganized along with Cody. Though it really wasn't so disorganized. All of the wives and their kids made it on time to this graduation. It was just Robin who felt it was okay to be very late, hours late. And why was that? It's rude, it's disrespectful, and it took the focus off where it should be, which, of course, is Logan graduating. Instead, Cody was worried about Robin, and he was more concerned for her than himself potentially missing Logan's graduation, his son's big moment. It was selfish of Robin to be late. It was rude, it was disrespectful as well. Baby Saul could easily have stayed with the nanny. And instead of being sorry, Goblin just had excuses. Like she couldn't find the place, this huge auditorium at UNLV where the graduation was held. Robin said instead that she intended to be late because of Saul. Now, when I was younger, I really didn't give a fuck about anyone's time. 
I was late to anything I wanted to be with anyone. I felt like I wanted to sleep in or I wanted to spend hours on my hair or my outfit or my makeup. I didn't care. But, you know, you grow up and then you realize it's not your time. It's the other person's time. It's disrespecting them. It's disrespecting their time. It's showing them that your time is more important to you than theirs. And it's selfish and it's immature. It was selfish of Robin to not plan appropriately and then to make excuses. Because if the Browns were late, diverting all of Cody's attention from her child on their graduation day, Robin wouldn't be cool with hearing some lip service and bullshit excuses, in my opinion. We learn a lot this episode, not only about Robin's issues being on time, but also we learn about Mary's wet bar, featured in this thumbnail, that she must have at all costs even if it must come with the extra bedroom. We learn all the wives have to work with the exact same budget. Now, fair is fair, and all the wives do deserve equal. However, if only one of the wives and the husband are contributing to make this work financially, other than the TLC paychecks, which aren't much, and we have Janelle with six kids sacrificing on not having as many bedrooms to have to make her budget work, she's having her kids share rooms because Janelle has to work on the same budget with six kids as Mary gets with one child. As Mary gets to have her wet bar that Janelle pays for, Janelle's kids have to share rooms. And Mary probably never uses this wet bar or her extra bedroom that it comes with And it does seem a tad bit selfish knowing Mary really, really doesn't need the wet bar. How many times did Mary use that wet bar for real? How many mixed drinks did she concoct on New Year's Eve or Cinco de Mayo? She says that it's all about the family. It's all about the kids. And she should get equal. But also she should work. And if it comes down to her getting an extra room and a wet bar, as Janelle and Christine have kids that have to share bedrooms, I prefer one of the mom's kids gets their own bedroom than to have a wet bar that I don't need. But Mary wanted the wet bar, and the wet bar, that must come with all the extra bedrooms, and this and that. And Janelle, who had her kids share a room, probably technically was the one who paid for Mary to have that luxury of that wet bar. If all the wives get equal in a polygamous situation, it shouldn't be at the expense of mostly one wife and the husband who are the primary breadwinners as that wife has to have kids share bedrooms and one wife has a hotel of empty bedrooms because she has one child. If that wife wants the wet bar, then maybe she should work. The episode opens with Cody explaining how... They established their family wanting to be a family and he wanted all the kids to be brothers and sisters while still maintaining secrecy before they were out as polygamists. So Christine and Mary and Robin grew up in a very secretive culture where a father just could not publicly address his kids. He couldn't be involved with his children. He would fear job loss or public expulsion or they would worry about having their family split up. And Christine mentions how her grandfather 
was put in jail just because he lived plural marriage and his family was split up and they never got back together again. When Cody entered the faith and the polygamous lifestyle, he wanted his family to be a family and he wanted his family to be able to be recognized as a family. Cody explains that his family were still private about being polygamists, but they never wanted their kids to not be identified as their children. So they raised all the kids to be siblings and all of their children with all of the wives and Cody together. Each mom had claim on all the children and they all worked as a family and they functioned as a family. They grew up as a family. All the kids did. When the kids were younger, they were homeschooled and then they were put into a church school. So the family never had to deal with the outside world and their stereotypes and their stigmas for the kids when the kids were younger. Cody explains that being a polygamist has social and economic and even legal repercussions at times. Next, everyone gathers at Mary's and the wives and Cody go to parent-teacher conferences with the high school teachers. And the last parent-teacher conference Cody went to, he talked to the teachers about his kids and about how they were adjusting. And now Cody wants to hear good news about his kids. And Cody wonders how many times a student from a polygamist family attends this high school where all of the mothers of all of the children go in together to the parent-teacher conferences. Cody thinks, of course, that it's absolutely uncommon. Robin says when they go meet the teachers, they are probably the only polygamist family that these teachers will ever meet. And Christine points out that they're also the only polygamist family with all of the parents going in all together. Cody expects that regardless of what his kids tell the teachers about their family being different, the teachers just won't be prepared for the five of them walking in the room and blasting them with questions about the kids. Robin doesn't think they have probably ever had five individual parents come in for one kid. Mary gets nervous when she goes to do public things like this with all of her sister wives. Mary gets hesitant even though she knows that they're public now. It's always in the back of Mary's mind because she still remembers how secretive they had to be for years. Leo's Spanish teacher is the first teacher the Browns see. Leo explains that even though they're an only child, growing up with three moms was normal because they didn't know anything else. And when the kids were little, they had other friends, but mostly they were each other's best friends. And now that they have all grown up, they're all so close because of that experience. Leo mentions how now they can get into a very good college because they got into the National Honor Society. Education has always been really important to Leo because they like to learn. And of course, they say they want to be a doctor and they've wanted to be a doctor since they were seven years old. They can't wait till the day when they can have sister wives because they see the friendship and the love their parents have. So they've decided to do this with their life because they love it. Now, that was back then. And now, of course, Leo has had a change of heart. We learn that Leo's Spanish name is Yellow, Amaria, and they choose a name that they want in that class based on a favorite thing that they like. And Madison's nickname is Zaro or Fox. 
the parents are tickled by the fact that Maddie picked Fox. And Cody is really amused that Leo picks yellow and Maddie picked Fox as her name. He thinks it's fitting. Mary explains that Miss Hess, the Spanish teacher, just wasn't sure where to look. She wasn't sure who to look to during the conference. She shook all of their hands. And Mary says it wasn't because she didn't know who was the mom. It was because Miss Hess was trying to figure out what was socially acceptable to them as polygamists. So she tried to include everyone. And Cody noticed, and he thinks that's awesome, that Miss Hess made eye contact with each of the wives and with Cody to include all of them. Cody thinks that all of the teachers were nervous to meet them. Honestly, I doubt they gave a fuck. Their job is to answer your questions and keep you updated on your child, their student. They aren't nervous because the Cody Brown, the king of the prairie dog playlands, and Robin's best customer showed up with the four moms. They don't care. They wouldn't care if two moms or two dads walked in or a mom and dad and two step-parents came in. They don't care. Cody always wants this to be a big deal. He gets off on thinking, wow, people must be nervous meeting us. We are here. We have a TV show. We're polygamists. They probably never met a polygamist family. Guess what? Newsflash. The Browns are human beings like everyone else. It's not like these teachers are having an encounter with aliens for the first time or otherworldly beings just because they choose to live differently or structure their family a little differently. Cody really needs to get over himself in a big way. And later on in the show, the Browns are shocked that the builders accepted them without flinching. They didn't even bat an eye, Robin says. It's good business. They don't care who they're selling for homes to. Why would they? The personal lives don't matter. They just care that cash is green, that your cash money is green and you can afford it. That's all they care about. Why would they care what your preferences are or how you choose to live? It's not their business. They don't care. It's business. The Browns are always shocked. Oh, no one batted an eye that we're a polygamist. Nobody cares. Nobody has a problem with it. Most people wouldn't have a problem with it and they're not going to make it an issue When it's a business thing, it has nothing to do with their personal choices. Why would they discriminate or have an issue with it? They're not. Those builders are thrilled they sold a home times four. It's amazing for them. It's like Christmas. They're stoked. Next, the Browns meet Coach Aaliyah, Aspen's teacher. Aspen is Christine's oldest child, and she really liked that her mom stayed at home while the kids were all growing up, and she feels that she gets along with her mom better because her mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she herself really wants to have a great relationship with her own kids as well someday. Growing up in polygamy, she says it was normal for her and she had lots of siblings and lots of moms. And she says it can be super dramatic if there is a problem between the moms or something, but she doesn't think polygamy is much different than a monogamous family experience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Aspen wants to be in a plural family when she grows up. That's what she says here. But she doesn't want to wait around forever finding the perfect family like her family has. So she says she will see as it comes. Now, when Aspen mentions that it can be super dramatic if there is an issue between some of the moms or something, there is a flashback scene and the camera focuses on Robin for a minute. And I found that interesting. Like it alludes to the problems Robin might have with the other moms or something. We know, obviously, it was a lot of drama between Mary and Janelle. So these mom fights really left an impression on Aspen. But it's interesting how Aspen says she does want to be a polygamist here. But when she finds Mitch, the love of her life, we can recall Aspen seemed adamantly against being a polygamist. She is sure. She is into monogamy only. And Mitch seemed slightly on the fence during that confessional scene. Aspen mentioned that her family, all of the wives, had found the perfect family. And I wonder how she feels about that now. And maybe for a time it really did seem perfect. Pre-Robin, back in Lehigh. Coach Aaliyah mentions how Aspen missed some gym class for a month. And she made it up though. And now she has an A. Aspen missed... Miss Aaliyah's classes at school, and she says she just didn't want to go. She didn't feel like it. And Cody wants to know, he's playing the concerned father. He wants to know if there is anything they can do for Aspen for her grades. But Aspen is very proactive. She's doing okay. She went to the teacher, and she immediately already has gotten her grade back up, and she's on track. Christine explains that if Aspen had bad grades, she definitely wouldn't let her miss school. For example, Peyton, her son, gets bad grades, so he isn't allowed to miss any school at all. Christine knows that Aspen will make it up, so to her, it's not a problem. Mary points out what the problem is in her eyes. The problem is that Leo tries to go back to their mom with this, and they ask to miss school just like Aspen, and they say it's no big deal. And Mary tells Leo they have to go to school, school is school, school is important, and they have to be there because it's their education, it's very important, and they can't miss days. So then Leo will come back at their mom and say, well, Aspen gets to miss school all the time, and Mary tells Leo that she doesn't care because she isn't Christine. Now, Cody explains that They have a lot of kids, so they have lots of teachers to meet. And Christine feels like Dr. Guido is the cool teacher. Mary agrees. Everybody in the house loves Dr. Guido. They sing his praises, the study skills teacher. Dr. Guido had Hunter, and he didn't know anything about the situation when Hunter came to the high school in Vegas He blended right in, and Janelle explains how Hunter had a hard time when they first moved to Vegas. He struggled, and they play the flashback scene of Cody questioning Hunter about how he just wants to fold. Why does he want to throw in the towel and sit and not live life? 
and Hunter tells his dad he just doesn't care. And Janelle explains it's taken a year, but finally Hunter has now found his groove again. He's back. Hunter seems more excited and more lively. He likes the new homes that they're getting. He says they're big, they're next door to each other, and he actually prefers having multiple homes because of space. Hunter says that when he gets older, he wants to be a professional football coach or a college football coach or an athletic trainer when he grows up. Now, I'm pretty sure, as far as I know, Hunter is becoming a nurse. He seems like a very compassionate person. Look at how Hunter drove for hours to be there during the Rona for Isabel when she was recovering from her surgery when Cody refused to be there. Hunter seems like a stand-up guy. And I could see him being very compassionate. And I think that that's great to do nursing. Dr. Guido says that he had to get on Hunter's case to get his grades up once the football season ended. And he points out that all the Brown kids are very respectful. And he says Logan is quiet and he hasn't even heard Logan utter two words in school. Now, Christine mentions that that's super great because... They're finding out that the words Logan uses aren't that great. And Dr. Guido says that's all teenagers in general. Janelle mentions how they discussed with Dr. Guido that their children are now swearing more at home. And Janelle knows how Pollyanna it sounds, but they never use certain words at home that the kids now use regularly. If curse words are their biggest problem with their teenagers, then they don't have one. Christine says the kids told them Logan has F-bomb dropping skills. They found out from their other kids. And Logan feels like swearing isn't a big deal. Everyone in Vegas curses, and he just happened to pick up on it very easily. Maddie mentions how when she grows up, she wants to be an entrepreneur Notice that word, entrepreneur, just like her dad uses. And she wants to maybe do hair so she can pay her way through college. And the bonus is she can do her hair for free. Maddie doesn't believe that polygamy is right for her. And she says she would be jealous. She doesn't want a big family, even though she loves her own big family. She says the biggest struggle with polygamy for her is the multiple nosy Nancy's. She says most kids have one mom and one dad in their business, and she has four moms and one dad in her business, plus three older siblings and 13 younger siblings. And they all want to know what she is doing, where she is going, who she is talking to, or what is on her phone. And Maddie doesn't care, but she says it is nice to have privacy sometimes. It's also kind of nice to have trust sometimes, no? Maddie's doing well. Last semester, Maddie got straight A's for the first time, and Maddie really loves Mr. G's class. Janelle tells the teacher that he is a rock star at their house. He's a legend. All the kids love him. They sing his praises. And next, they visit McKelty's teacher, Mrs. Rule, and she put McKelty on a path. McKelty, of course, is Christine's daughter, and she wants to be a world-famous fashion designer when she grows up. She says fashion is her biggest passion. 
the way clothes are made, and the way you can put two things together to make an awesome dress, taking little pieces of thread and making a shirt is really cool. That's how McKelty feels about fashion. Yes, Lula No is very fashion forward. It's fabulous. McKelty has become very career-oriented thanks to Mrs. Rule, and McKelty can get along with anyone in the class, any table Mrs. Rule puts her at, and McKelty will get along with them. And Robin points out that that has to do with McKelty having 17 siblings and five parents to deal with. Mary points out that you can't choose favorites, and Robin says you have to deal with different personalities all the time in a plural family, so that might be why McKelty does so well. Cody was nervous, but everything went well because he says all of the teachers like their kids. Janelle had stage fright. She was afraid to meet the teachers because her kids talk a lot about their teachers at home. So for her, it was nerve wracking to meet them. Cody has heard so many stories about these teachers that make them like legends in a way. He says the kids really like the teachers. And so it's intimidating to meet them because the kids have, you know, built them up. Robin would like to be a fly on the wall when the teachers go home at night to talk about this experience with their wives and their husbands. She wants to know what they would say about meeting these polygamists, what they would say about meeting these celebrities. Ego much? They don't care. They want their wine and to unwind and relax maybe. I doubt they're that busy chit-chatting about how they met Cody Brown. I'm surprised the high school didn't put out a red carpet and a step and repeat at the door for Cody Brown and his family. What a missed opportunity. Next, we get into the major wet bar drama. Mary is upset because she learns that she can't have her hobby room and the pantry back off of the kitchen without having a fifth bedroom in her house. So now she isn't sure what she is going to do. But when she walked into the model home and she saw the wet bar, she just loved it. She had to have it, even if it means Janelle's kids or Christine's kids might have to share a bedroom. No big deal. Wes have a... Yes, Mary needs the wet bar for all the drinking Mary did at this time. All those margaritas, all those Mai Tais. What to do, what to do. Mary isn't sure, as usual. In the trees, out of the trees, wet bar, no wet bar. Mary loves the thought of having all that space to entertain and she'll have her wet bar and her island and this huge great room and she mentions she loves to entertain, she loves to have people over. Mary mentions how Janelle saw this home, this model that Mary wanted and Janelle was frustrated that Mary was even considering it. No shit. Of course, Janelle is concerned. She is the one paying for all of this extra stuff while her kids have to share rooms and Janelle is the one footing the bill so Mary can have this wet bar. Janelle felt it was too much home for just Mary and her one child. Now, don't forget, doesn't matter the amount of kids they have. Each wife gets a certain amount as a budget for their home. So if that means that Janelle's kids have to pack in like sardines to make it work, 
so Mary can have the same budget as Janelle that Janelle is paying for, then so be it, at least in Mary's eyes. Now, they flash back to Mary explaining how she wants the home, but she doesn't want everything that comes along with it financially and emotionally. And then they flash back to Janelle explaining how she hears from her children, why is Mary getting such a big house? Janelle's kids are asking because they know they have to share rooms while Janelle pays for Mary to have equal so Mary can have the wet bar she will never use or a hotel of empty bedrooms as Janelle's kids have to share because they have to work with the same budget as Mary that Janelle is funding. Janelle has felt like in the past, if she was just trying to conserve, that some of her sister wives wouldn't conserve. They'd just be like, blah, whatever. And their financial situation was desperate. Janelle is the one who is the primary breadwinner. She takes care of everyone. She makes the dollars and cents work. So she would be scrounging and saving to make it work so everyone gets equal. As her sister wives were spending on extravagant things, they were ignoring her heed, her call to please, please, please conserve because the financial situation is desperate. And it's not like they were getting off their ass and working to compensate some or to add back into the pot. I can understand why Janelle was frustrated. This is a desperate financial situation. Janelle would conserve while paying for everyone to have equal, and some of the other wives essentially marry wouldn't conserve. They'd buy extravagant things and experience extravagant things, while Janelle was doing all she could to just make the dollars and cents work. And not just for her, but for the whole family. And that fell on one person. Imagine how frustrated you'd be if all of this was on your back. And next, they flash back to a tearful Mary explaining how she would have had eight kids herself if she had had her say. She would have needed the seven-bedroom home for her eight kids. It's what she wanted and it was her plans. But she's crying and she says it's not the cards she got dealt. Now, ideally in a plural family, everyone should get equal. Every wife should get the same. But in a situation where finances are desperate, where one wife is the primary breadwinner and Cody supplements it for five people and 17 kids and the other women just have the TLC paychecks, which really isn't much, the financial situation is dire supporting over 20 people on that then it becomes selfish of Mary to take the same and not contribute financially and have all of this extra budget to work with to have the expensive shit or the extra empty unneeded rooms as Janelle is working her ass off to pay for those luxuries that she can't have herself as her kids share rooms. That's not right of Mary. It's selfish. If everyone was working and contributing and Mary got the same and she had extra for the wet bar, okay, it's fair. But Janelle is the one covering everything for everyone as her kids have to share and she scrimps and saves as no one else cares to do the same. And that's frustrating for her. And it should be. Is the wet bar or the extra empty room worth the kids at Janelle's house having to share rooms or the kids at Christine's house having to share rooms so Mary gets her extra wet bar and empty rooms. It's selfish and I get if Mary could have the house full of kids, she would and she should get the same as the other wives. But in a situation with 
desperate financial times with not enough coming in and two people paying for everyone, does Mary really need the wet bar and the empty rooms knowing Janelle could really use that extra room in her home or Christine even could use that room as a necessity and crying to deflect because you wish you could have had those kids isn't fair because Janelle and Christine and their kids shouldn't have to make do with less and be penalized with less than they could have had to make things work just so Mary gets the same when there really isn't enough to go around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would look at that wet bar and be pissed off knowing I worked for it and my kids are sharing a room. If it's really all about the family and Mary is not working beyond filming to contribute, why can she not sacrifice this and have a slightly smaller home? Why is her pain from her not having her dream of having a house full of kids a reason to justify the empty rooms that are just sitting there or the wet bar knowing it affects the other kids in the family. Mary explains how there are lots of feelings going on. There are lots of emotions, a lot of stress happening, and there were lots of emotions and a lot of stress when they first moved to Vegas, and that affected everything. Cody visits Mary to discuss the wet bar conundrum, and he gives her the most awkward kiss ever. The way he just grabs her neck and holds her face It is so creepy and gross, creepy AF, and it skeeves me out. They're very awkward when they're affectionate, at least on camera. Now, Mary lets Cody know that they have a huge issue. Mona emailed her. Mona told her she can't have the hobby room in the pantry without having the fifth bedroom. And Cody knows what's up right away. He asks Mary, You mean in order to have the wet bar, you have to have the fifth bedroom? So they're meeting with Mona in 20. Cody seems hangry. He has to eat. He wants to talk to Mona about it. He doesn't know. The Browns are now meeting the builders for the homes. And Janelle has lots of questions to ask, of course. Cody explains that when it comes to home options, they felt the best way to do everything was to divide the budget evenly so everybody, each wife, gets equal. Each wife gets the same budget for a home. Now, Christine initially felt that Mary should get a smaller home because she has less kids. And Christine feels, of course, she has more kids, so she should get a bigger home because she needs a bigger home. And Janelle points out that she began to worry that what she needed would be sacrificed for what somebody else wanted in the name of equality of budget. Basically, Janelle feared that because Mary wanted fancy shit, extra rooms, a hobby room, a wet bar, and she got an equal budget with one kid, that she herself would have to sacrifice because six kids in one home is the same budget as Mary and her child in one home. And so obviously Mary gets everything she wants, all the luxuries, 
and Janelle has to make her kids share rooms to make it work so Mary can get equal when Mary isn't really working to contribute. And Janelle will be stuck not getting everything she needs accommodated, and that is Janelle's worst fear, that she would be without something she needed because of something another wife wanted in the name of equity. Mary points out that the one thing she absolutely loved about the house, the model home, is the wet bar. And it came down to getting the wet bar with the fifth bedroom or she just doesn't get it at all. Cody's concern is he doesn't want it to look like Mary gets the biggest house because she is the first wife. But of course, remember they say there's no hierarchy in this family, but Cody doesn't want it to look like Mary gets the biggest house just because she is the first wife. Cody says ultimately they came to the conclusion that the best way to do it was across the board equity. Everybody gets the same budget to work with. And in the case of Mary having to have the extra bedroom, they will just have to make it work. Mary will not go without that wet bar. Yes, make it work at the expense of Janelle, basically. The wives and Cody meet with the builders, and during this meeting, Cody's main concern really does seem to be Mary's wet bar, and Janelle looks annoyed as fuck, and I would be too. Robin is astonished that the builders haven't batted an eye at all about the fact that they are a plural family. Honey, is your money green? That's all they care about. They just sold four homes at once. No one gives a flying fuck that they are working with polygamists. They don't care. They don't care. It's not their business. The Browns seem to think, wow, the teachers must be nervous. The builders didn't give pause because of us being polygamists. Well, guess what? They're professionals, their job, their association to you in whatever capacity, whether they teach your kid or they build your home, has nothing at all to do with the fact that you are polygamists. The teachers only care that the kids are progressing in their class. The builders only care that they will be paid in cash money. They just want the home options and to be paid. No one cares how they live. They just care that whatever job they're there to do is done and they get paid. Nobody cares what anyone does personally. Most professionals aren't going to give a fuck. They don't care if you're a couple, you're a thruple, you're polygamous, you're gay, straight, bi, fluid, LGBTQ+. Most people really don't care. They don't care as long as they're going to get paid. And if they do care and it's a huge issue for them, there's something wrong with them. Even if they didn't like Let's say that they're polygamists. They're not going to even mention it. They're not going to bat an eye. They're not going to do anything that's biased. They just want to get paid. They just want to be professional. They don't care. So Robin being astonished that they didn't bat an eye. Of course not. They're businessmen. Even if they had a problem, you're not going to know about it. Most people really don't care how anyone lives. Every time no one says anything they perceive as negative... They mention how good they feel that they were accepted. It's not necessarily that they were accepted. It's that no one cares. It's not their business how these people live. And everyone knows, even if they don't like it, it really doesn't matter to the business at hand. 
So why would they go out of their way to be antagonistic? They don't care. Robin says that the builders don't seem weirded out at all by the fact that they are polygamists. Hello, cash money, baby. They don't care. This is business. It has nothing to do with your lifestyle. Cody points out that the builders are smart businessmen and they look at being able to sell four homes at once, so they love them. And unfortunately about this, Cody's right. They don't care. They sold four homes at once. Now, Cody has major questions for the builders, like the what's, the ifs in the house, and Cody really goes to bat for Mary. He tells the builders his main concern is Mary can't have a hobby room and a pantry, you mean a wet bar, without having a fifth bedroom, meaning Mary obviously can't have her wet bar without the fifth bedroom. And Cody wonders if they are married to it or not. And he knows they have to deal with this right away because Mary is getting her wet bar. Now, the builder mentions that they don't have a design for that configuration. So what Mary is asking for would obviously require resubmitting a full set of plans with that configuration. Now, Mary says if it happens that these are the only kids she'll have for the rest of her life, these are the kids she wants to feel welcome and loved in her home, and she wants to have the space for them to feel that. The kids feeling love from her has nothing to do with the space and the size of her home and if she has a wet bar or not. That's a bullshit excuse, and that's emotional manipulation because I feel like Mary knows if she uses tears and everyone knows this is a sensitive subject. Everyone knows that they have to go without and that this is unfair. It might not actually be right in desperate financial times, but they're going to do it anyway because Mary's having a hard time with it. So if Mary has a wet bar or a bigger house, that has nothing to do with her having a gathering or her having the kids over or the kids feeling loved at all. And Mary knows that, but it's emotional manipulation. The kids will feel loved in her space, whether she's in a two-bedroom home or a home with five bedrooms and a hobby room and a wet bar, they'll feel loved the same. Not all of the kids love Mary. Some of the kids have issues with Mary, but some of the kids are close to Mary and the ones who are close to her, if they pop by, they're not going to be hovering by the wet bar waiting for their blended daiquiri with extra rum. This feels emotionally manipulative. Really, the kids feeling loved does not correlate to the size of house Mary has. It feels like Mary is using space and having these luxuries to make up for not having more kids. And she is guilt tripping everyone as to why she needs it to fill the hole of not having the kids she wished she did. And I know it's a sensitive issue, but it's unfair and it's selfish in desperate financial times. And Janelle and Christine have to look at that wet bar knowing that could be the bedroom they needed or the den they have to do without for their kids. It's kind of manipulative to bring up this lack of kids as a justification for why you want that wet bar so the kids come spend more time there or so the kids feel loved. They don't drink. The kids will come regardless whether they're in a studio apartment or a five-bedroom mansion, the kids will come. And if Mary really wanted a child, she had the option. Robin offered surrogacy. She also could have pursued IVF. She could have adopted. 
Mary didn't take the chance and the people paying for the extra space that Mary uses to fill that void are Janelle's kids and Christine's kids. So I don't really think it's fair in desperate financial times. All of this affects everyone else in the family. And if the situation were different, if everyone worked to support themselves, mostly like Janelle, if Mary worked a full-time job and she wants the extra rooms in the WEP are fine. But with limited finances, a desperate situation, and only Janelle and Cody footing the majority of this, primarily Janelle, I feel Mary easily could have sacrificed for the family and for Janelle's kids and for Christine's kids. I think I would be resentful myself staring at a wet bar that I paid for knowing my kids don't all have a room or I had to cut corners so that Mary could have all that extra budget that she doesn't need. She gets her wants met with her budget that is equal while she doesn't work and I'm working and she's getting these luxuries while I have to cut corners and make do with stuff I actually need that I can't have. So... I really don't think Mary should see a smaller home in this situation as a penalty for not having her dream of eight kids. She should see it as a logical sacrifice for the family, especially considering that Janelle is footing the bill mostly and Janelle sacrifices the most. Janelle busted her ass giving her paycheck up for the whole family to survive. So could Mary go without a huge home or a wet bar? Definitely. And it was selfish that she insisted on this, considering the people who paid for Mary's equal budget were Janelle's kids and were Christine's kids who had to share as Mary had her wet bar and her hobby room. The kids are going to feel welcome. They're going to feel loved with or without the wet bar and the hobby room and the extra space. Mary just says all that as a justification and to pull on everyone's emotions. Mary knows that it's been a struggle on her family for seeing her have all of this extra space. And Mary says if the roles were reversed, she is sure that she would be frustrated too. Janelle is kind of looking off during this confessional scene. You can tell how frustrated she is, how pissed she is, and of course I would be too. And Mary is using emotions and sentimentality about having space for the kids as an excuse, as a justification for her selfishness so she won't be questioned. And she's saying she doesn't want to be penalized with a smaller home because she has just one kid. Mary doesn't mind that she got a huge home that she doesn't need with empty rooms and an unused wet bar as Janelle's kids have to share a room. That doesn't bother her and that's selfish. Cody explains that he has to involve the rest of the family in this decision even though it's just his house with Mary because he has to now scrounge up the budget with the whole family. Mary explains that when she found out that she did have to have the fifth bedroom, we have had no idea how many times she was in tears over it because it was so stressful to her. She doesn't need this extra room and she doesn't want to be judged for having the extra room she doesn't need to have. And she doesn't want the emotions involved with all of this. She doesn't need the room, but of course she needs the wet bar. Now, Mary says she feels like it's the cards they were dealt with the situation with the kids 
and the homes, and now they're just trying to do the best they can with it. Well, Mary is choosing to get the wet bar and get the room that she doesn't need, and she is choosing to view it as her getting punished for not having more children if she were to sacrifice and take a slightly smaller home or no wet bar. This wasn't imposed on Mary. Mary is imposing this on the whole family. Mary had a choice. She could have taken a smaller home and been mature enough to live without the wet bar. She could sacrifice considering the sacrifice Janelle made. But Mary doesn't care if it affects the budgets of the other moms who have six kids. She could care less what corners they have to cut. But she doesn't care, even though she probably could. Mary is choosing to say, well, what can we do? These are the cards. If Mary really wanted a kid, she could try IVF. She could take Robin up on her offer of surrogacy. She could adopt. If Mary really wanted to do the right thing and be about the family and about the kids, knowing Janelle is paying for this, Mary could choose to sacrifice and have a slightly smaller home and see it not as a penalty for having less kids than she wanted, but as a sacrifice she makes as a blessing to Janelle and Christine and their kids for them to have the budgets to have what they actually need instead of getting her wants fulfilled. And what did the professor on the UNLV panel say about the success of a polygamous family dynamic? He said that all the wives have to sacrifice for each other and prioritize and put each other's needs first as well as their own well-being first. And Mary can be selfish at times. This wet bar thing doesn't sit well with me. Mary is getting equal and that's great, but The kids of Christine and Janelle are paying for it as far as all of them not being able to have their own rooms. And that isn't fair. The people who are really being penalized are the kids. And I don't feel that the wet bar or having an empty room sitting there was a family-oriented move on Mary's part at all for the good of the whole family. Christine wants to know, time-wise from the builders, what it will be when they can move in. And it's five months from breaking ground. And they can break ground once they get all of their options in. Once the wives decide on their options for their homes, then they can break ground. One of the builders suggests that once they get the options, once they get the details from the wives, they can divide the wives a little bit so the wives don't have input for each other. Or so the wives don't give each other ideas because he thinks they might get decisions from the wives individually faster and more set in stone if they divide and conquer. The other builder suggests that if the wives can make their decisions today on their home options, they can break ground as early as next week. We learn that it's the builder's first polygamous group and, of course, Mona, the real estate agents, too. One builder explains how his wife went through this with him when they built a home. And he says, you struggle with decisions with just one husband and one wife. It's tough. And so Cody has that times four. So this guy doesn't know how Cody holds it together. And the other builder who suggested divide and conquer with the wives and their options says, 
They have built lots of homes for lots of different people, so this will be interesting. These men know it's four women and Cody and the wives are going to compete or one wife will get something another wife decides she wants and then there will be a million changes and it'll be hell. They know what's coming. Next, Cody explains how today Logan is graduating from high school. Wise old Logan explains that he is taking a walk down the first aisle of his life and he is excited to be done. Logan is so wise. We learned that the family got home the day before graduation from a road trip and they were disjointed. They weren't back in their groove. So the family as a whole hadn't had their normal planning meetings. So Janelle got a text from Kotex telling her that it's her fault that nobody knows what is going on with the graduation. And Janelle thought everybody already heard the plans. They may have heard her mention it or she expected that maybe Cody as the father of the family would mention it to everybody, the graduation plans. And this morning, everybody is in a hurry. No one knows where to go or when they're supposed to leave. And they're supposed to leave in an hour and there is major drama. And Cody interpreted the situation differently, of course. Cody explains that he texted Janelle that nobody knows what time the graduation is and she needs to tell people so that everyone knows what to do. And Cody feels like Janelle interpreted his message as it's all your fault that everybody is late and Cody says he never said that. Now, Robin explains that she called Janelle yesterday and she asked for details and she needs to know everything about when to be there, where it is. And Janelle told Robin the graduation ceremony is going to be four or five hours long. So Robin felt like that would be too stressful for Solomon to be there making all this noise for everybody. So Robin's plan was to be late, to leave late on purpose and get there late on purpose because Robin figured she had a long time before Logan's name would be called and he would be walking across the stage. Um, B, Brown, B is right after A. Graduations go in alphabetical order and there generally aren't too many A or B surnames usually. It doesn't take a genius to know that maybe you could push for a 15 to 20 minute delay for maybe the intro of the graduation ceremony, but no more. I love how Robin has the nanny, her sister there to watch over her kids. That leaving Saul at home wasn't an option. Maddie wants to wear a skirt and it's a normal pencil skirt, very conservative. It's nothing scandalous. And Janelle worries that Cody won't approve of this skirt. It's not even a mini skirt. It basically goes to her knees. And Logan, the guy that's graduating, lets his mom know it's okay. It's not a party dress. Maddie isn't headed for the clubs. It's a pencil skirt. And Janelle explains she knows that, but she knows it's shorter than Cody would like. And Cody says, regarding his daughter's dress... His daughters take it personally when he gets after them for not being more modest. And he says he's put his daughters in tears many times saying that this is something a father should never see on his daughter's body. And he tells them to go change 
clothes. And Cody says his daughters take it very personally. Robin explains that's because they're girls. And Mary explains to Cody, it's a teenage thing, honey. Daddy explains their clothing rules and they basically are that they can't show cleavage, they can't have their butts hanging out, they can't wear tank tops, and they can't show their midriffs, so no stomachs. Maddie doesn't think in general that the girls listen to what their dad says. And Aspen says she listens, but she just doesn't agree with her dad sometimes. Aspen feels that if she's just showing her knees and it's a skirt that's to her knees, she thinks that's okay. I feel like this is like Saudi Arabia or something. I 100% get not wearing a skimpy outfit or not wanting your teenage daughter dressing in a way that gets negative, gross, inappropriate attention. But a pencil skirt just above the knee is nothing scandalous. And teenagers really like to express themselves through clothing and his daughters dress pretty conservatively. So Cody probably takes it to a whole nother level to the point where the girls don't feel like it's reasonable. And Cody probably can be really condescending and he might humiliate his daughters when he doesn't like the stuff they wear and then they probably feel bad because of the way Cody speaks to them. These are obviously very good girls. They're very conservative. They're not scandalous at all. And the fact that Maddie had to ask Janelle if she can wear a pencil skirt and Janelle was concerned that Cody won't be okay with it and Logan had to tell her it's fine, it makes me feel like Cody is uber controlling and not in a healthy protective way that's normal but in an overbearing way. I remember being that age and my parents would probably have cried tears of joy if I asked hey can I wear this pencil skirt that fell above the knee. If I was Janelle I'd be telling Cody to take the win. Janelle is ironing they have 15 minutes to leave it's hectic Hunter is cooking, he hasn't even showered yet, and Janelle reveals that Hunter is always last, he always waits to the last minute, and he always has to mess with his hair, and he spends more time on his hair than Maddie does. Like father, like son, with the hair, and also with the affliction button-up shirts. Aspen explains that the family is loud, they're chaotic, there's so many of them, And Maddie says that in the Brown family, you have to yell to have your voice heard. The graduation is at the auditorium at UNLV in downtown, and it's huge. There's a huge graduating class, so the high school does their graduation at this huge auditorium at UNLV. Hunter complains that he's way overdressed in his affliction button-down. Cody is in a suit. He's overdressed as well. And Hunter is kind of annoyed. He wants to know why his dad made them overdress. Hunter didn't really care about getting dressed up, but most people who attended the graduation really didn't dress up, so he feels like he looked like a fool. And Maddie says her dad was so preoccupied with what Hunter was wearing, and because she was dressed nice and she matched, her dad just overlooked her. He must not have noticed the skirt. I wonder how picky Cody is with his kids' appearances, what they wear, and I wonder how controlling he gets about their choices. Maddie seems very relieved that she wasn't singled out by her dad this time. Robin explains her extreme tardiness to this graduation, and she says that she started getting ready and she thought she had to be there by a certain time. 
And then Mary texted Robin that she forgot her camera and she asked Robin to please hurry and to bring a camera. Now, Robin figured she had a long time before Logan's name was called. In what world? There's usually an introduction, there's some kind of speech, and then they get their diplomas underway. Usually there's some type of other speech. So his name is Brown. It goes in alphabetical order. How much time did she really think she had? Cody, Janelle, and Mary and Christine are there and they're older kids. And Cody mentions that he loves living here. He loves being open like this with his family and going in public. And Mary says, it was a proud moment for all of them. Logan is their first child graduating and it was cool to be there and to be open as a family, to be present and to be a part of it. And Cody explains that all four of these mothers have had a major influence in Logan's life. And Cody thinks Christine had a significant influence on Logan's life because Janelle was working when Logan was a baby and Christine was raising him. Christine thinks Logan is a great kid. She is beaming with pride. And she says, Logan has always been very responsible. He's very sweet and he has a great older brother. Christine says whenever people didn't know about their family and they would see her with Logan, they would naturally assume Logan was her son. And Christine always claimed him and all of his accomplishments, feeling that Logan is her son and his accomplishments are all her bragging rights too. And Cody says they're a family. They have all been involved in this. And the accolades that Janelle would receive as a mother to Logan, who is graduating, are shared to all the other mothers in the family. And it is a real blessing to all of them. So Cody says he's just grateful to be here. And he is grateful about this. And Hunter thinks Logan moving out will have a huge impact on the family. He's the oldest son and the older brother figure in the family. So it's going to have a huge impact on the family, his absence. But Hunter is happy that he will now get to have a room of his own, though. There is always a silver lining. Maddie is very proud of Logan for graduating high school. And he's graduating with honors. And it's a big accomplishment when a lot of kids don't even graduate high school. And Maddie is very sad that Logan is going to leave home. And Logan is her best friend. The graduation is going on and Cody is very preoccupied and he asks Mary when Robin said she left because she hasn't shown up yet. And Janelle and Christine look super annoyed. They're frustrated that Cody seems very preoccupied with Robin when he should be focusing on Logan and this graduation. And Mary tells Cody that Robin left at 930. At least that's what she texted her. So Cody is very worried. He's looking at his watch. He's focused on his phone. And Mary tells Cody he can't worry about that right now. He can't worry about Robin. It's her choice. Basically, she means, you fucking idiot. Your first kid, your son is graduating. Focus. Focus. Be present. Be here with Logan. It was Robin's choice to be late. It was Robin's choice to miss this. Focus on your kid, Logan, who matters in this moment. Even Mary says, don't worry about that. It's her choice. And Mary tells Cody he needs to be here with Logan. Mary and Janelle and Christine all look pissed. They look fed up at Cody's preoccupation. 
And Robin explains that she got lost. She was driving around the UNLV campus just trying to find the auditorium. And she was stopping students, desperately asking, do you know where this is? Um, by this time, 2012, there were already smartphones with internet and maps and everything. Do not tell me this woman isn't competent enough to find the biggest building on campus in a timely manner just by using her cell phone. W-T-F. Robin obviously didn't want to be there and it was disrespectful to not be on time or to bring Solomon when she has a nanny. If Solomon is why she feels she can't be on time. It's disrespectful to take Cody's attention away from where it needs to be and it shows how little Robin regards Logan. Even during Logan's graduation, she wants to play damsel in distress. She blames Saul. She blames the camera Mary needed. She blames that she can't find the auditorium. Then Robin says she planned on being late to avoid a long wait with Saul. Why can't she just say she either had zero intention of going? If she wanted to be there, Robin would be on time and she would be there. Or it's that she doesn't respect Logan and the family enough to be there on time. Logan is wonderful with her kids. He took them to the craft store. They are always up his ass at family events. He is responsible. He is very respectful of them. He is there for all of his siblings in a very big way. So why couldn't Robin respect Logan enough to be on time and not make excuses? And if you're late, admit it. Don't make a whole victim story. Oh, I tried. I was stopping students asking, do you know where this is? Get out of here. And then she says she planned on being late with that intention. So did she plan on being late or was she too inept to find the biggest building on the campus and she got lost? Which one? Be honest. Even if the truth is, well, I just didn't want to sit through the whole thing or I misjudged on my time. But this woman always has excuse after excuse to pull out of her ass. Christine explains to Robin during confessional that she didn't know that Robin was planning on being late. You can tell that all the wives think that it's rude and disrespectful that Robin missed Logan graduating and she wasn't on time. And she also preoccupied Cody. She created a lot of stress and frustration for the other wives and Cody at Logan's graduation. Christine tells Robin she was shocked because she felt Logan's graduation was really, really important. Janelle looks pissed and Robin looks constipated when Christine calls her out. I think Robin knows how bad this looks. And there's also the inconsistency of Robin telling her victim story of, Oh, I was lost. I was desperate. I couldn't find it. The biggest building on campus versus Christine saying to her, I did not know you were planning to be late. Did she plan on being late or did she get lost? Which one? Now, Robin explains that she was frustrated because she was later than she wanted to be. So she was frustrated at herself because she was later than she wanted to be. Later than she wanted to be. So she wanted to be late. This was not important to her, obviously. She says she was driving around campus trying to find this auditorium, this needle in a haystack, so to speak, the biggest building on campus. Oh, it's so hard to find. 
Now, the graduation is going on and Cody isn't even really watching it. He's looking down at his phone. He's looking at his watch. Janelle looks pissed, as do Christine and Mary. Everyone looks stressed. Everyone looks annoyed at Cody's preoccupation with Robin and her tardiness. Cody explains that it's getting close to Logan receiving his diploma. So at this time, Cody thinks it's a great time and he ran out to see if he could go find Robin and find out where she is parked to hurry and bring her into the building so she can be on time. And Janelle explains that when they started to call the name so early, she thought, oh, Robin's not going to make it. And Janelle explains that when Cody left to try and get Robin, she started to get really freaked out because Cody might miss their son, his firstborn son, graduating. This is the first child of the Brown family graduating. And Cody might miss his son graduating all because of Robin. And Janelle thought that he would try and help Robin and he will miss the whole thing. Janelle really felt like Cody would miss it. And Christine also felt like Cody would miss Logan walking across the stage and getting his diploma to help Robin. So Christine and the other wives started texting Cody to get back here, get back here because you're going to miss Logan's graduation. And Cody explains that he was looking for Robin and it was like looking for a needle in a haystack. And his wives kept texting Cody with urgency to hurry up. So Cody decided, okay, and he guesses, Robin will just miss it. Now, is it more important for Cody to watch his son graduate or to make sure his first wife doesn't miss it? Which is more important to him? Frankly, I doubt Logan gives two fucks if Robin is there, but he will care that the women who raised him and his father are there and present when he receives his diploma. And how would Logan feel if when he graduated, a huge life moment, his first huge life moment, if his dad was desperately searching the parking lot because his precious goblin was lost or hadn't arrived yet rather than watching him graduate. Holy fuck. It was a stressful situation. It was tense for the wives and they were very worried that Cody would miss it because he was prioritizing Robin. Everyone was tense. Everyone was pissed off and frustrated all because of Robin and her bullshit and Cody's intense preoccupation with her. It was gross. Janelle looked livid, and I don't blame her. I'd be pissed too. Now, Cody gets in right as Logan's row stands up, and Cody asks Maddie if the camcorder she is using is recording, and he tells his wives and kids not to stand up, don't embarrass Logan. But after the way Cody acts on camera, I doubt Logan's siblings and mom standing up and cheering for him when he accepts his diploma will be the thing that this guy gets embarrassed about. I love how the most embarrassing family member of all is giving etiquette lessons and advice to his wives and kids. Logan gets his diploma and Janelle was so stressed out that she wasn't ready in time. She was messing with her phone to try and get a picture and she missed Logan actually getting his diploma. And Cody is the biggest dick in the world. He tells his kids, hey kids, mom missed it. And he's grinning ear to ear. He's all smiles. He's really rubbing salt in the wound. Cody is a fucking dick. Cody almost missed Logan receiving his diploma himself. And 
He put his wives, especially Janelle, through a ton of stress when he left to try to prioritize finding Robin. And it stressed Janelle out big time and it pissed her off. So much so that by the time that it was time for Logan to receive his diploma, she was situating her camera on her phone to try and snap a photo and she missed his name being called. And now Cody wants to showboat and gloat and rub salt in the wound to Janelle, to his kid's mom, about her missing it. What a dick. This man is a P.O.S. Now, Cody goes on that Janelle was sitting there going, I don't know. I didn't know they called Logan and he's laughing and making light of the situation. Like, it's funny that Janelle missed it. Cody's laughing and he's telling Hunter about it. And Janelle looks mad. She is angry and she should be. Mary is joining in. She's laughing about how Janelle missed it. And Cody keeps telling Janelle, oh, his name is Logan Taylor Brown. How could you miss it? And Maddie is also egging it on. And she asks Janelle if she wants to watch her recording. Janelle is pissed. Cody is trying to get everyone to laugh at Janelle, missing her son, accepting his diploma. And Janelle tells them all to shut up. She's very pissed, you can tell. And I probably would have done more than that. Janelle explains that she was frustrated and she was devastated that she missed them calling her oldest son's name. And Cody explains that Janelle is crying right now and he can't tell if she's crying because she is mad that she missed the moment or if she is mad she missed it or if she's just mad. Listen, Janelle is mad that she missed it. She's mad that Cody is making light of the fact that she missed it and She's probably crying because she is also emotion about Logan, her first son, the first child in the family, graduating. And she's mad that Cody prioritized Robin over seeing his son graduate. And everyone was very stressed out about getting Cody back in the door on time and focused and present with Logan instead of focusing on Robin, who was late. She is mad at Robin for being disrespectful, and she is probably sentimental too because she loves her son, her first child, and he just completed a major accomplishment. And Janelle was very surprised at how emotional she was. Cody explains how 10 or 15 minutes after Logan got his diploma and he graduated, Robin came into the auditorium. And Robin says she sees the kids walking across the stage as she is descending the steps to get to Cody's row. And at this point, only then does she notice it just hits her. You've missed it. You've missed Logan walking across the stage. So Robin does a bitter, cynical chuckle like she's mad at herself. And she wants us to know how frustrated she is at herself that she was so late that she missed Logan. Even though just five minutes ago, she says she was later than she wanted to be. So she intended on being late. Now, Robin finds her people and she notices that Logan is already sitting down. He already got his diploma. So she was frustrated. And Christine says as Robin sat down, they could all feel her anger. And Christine thought, holy cow, she could sense Robin was pissed and she felt like she needed to give Robin space. Cody says that it was like a wet giant blanket over a fire and Robin was upset because it's so important to her because she just like loves him so much. She just loves Logan so much. So she's really upset that she missed it. 
but she planned on being late. Now, Cody felt, what the hell? Why didn't we organize this better? And what he should be asking is why didn't Robin plan and organize better? Cody wonders why they weren't all on top of this. And Janelle explains that they were all frustrated. So at the point when Robin got there, they weren't interacting. And Janelle says she wasn't mad at anyone or at anything or at any one person. And Cody explains that this was about Logan. It wasn't about them. So he felt great, Logan. Great for you graduating. We missed it. We all suck, but you're awesome. And Logan feels that most people feel, hooray, high school's done. And he acknowledges that's a big step in his life. But as far as going to college, he can't wait. He is ready to do something on his own. He's ready to get out and experience the world a little bit. He says it was great to see his family there supporting him all together, and it meant a lot to him. He didn't care very much about actually graduating, but he cared about his family being there. And his mom was always his mom, and he also had his other moms. And it was never like his other moms were like his stepmoms. He always felt like all of his moms were his moms as well. And he knows all of his parents love him, and all of them really do. And Logan wants to go into the medical field when he's done with school and he wants to do something with healing and helping. Look at how kind and loving and responsible Logan is with all of his siblings. I remember in one of the first episodes of Sister Wives, Logan was parentified and he was making breakfast for his siblings, getting them up, getting them ready. Janelle had work and he was playing Mr. Mom in the mornings when he was a teenager in high school. So Logan really cares about all of his siblings and he's really a great sibling and he seems very invested and he seemed like a really well put together kid, had his head on straight. It doesn't surprise me that Logan wants to do something with healing and helping. And Logan says in 20 years, he hopes he will have a home. He'll have one wife and he says, maybe more later. Next, Mary is visiting with her younger sister, Elaine, and Elaine also has fertility issues. And Elaine just had a new baby, so Mary wanted to talk to her about this and about her situation. And this conversation gave me a little bit of a new perspective on Mary. Mary is curious about having another baby and how it's been after so long having a new baby for Elaine. And Elaine feels like it's starting over, but it's like riding a bike. You don't forget anything and it all comes back. But she had her doubts. She was nervous during her pregnancy, thinking, what the hell did I just do? Now, Cody wants Mary to have another baby, but he doesn't like waiting for an answer. And Cody feels like Mary's indecision trifles with his, but him pushing her for a decision trifles with her indecision so ultimately it's a decision of course they have to make together as a couple elaine mary's younger sister feels like mary is in a different place than she was five years ago and mary agrees elaine doesn't want to tell mary don't do it because having a baby is her decision but mary doesn't seem as desperate and And Elaine feels, for Mary, that desire to have a baby isn't as present as it was a few years ago. And it feels like Mary is in another phase of her life now. 
And Mary agrees. And Mary says that's exactly how she feels. She feels that way. Mary says they tried all these other fertility things in the past. Nothing has worked. And the only thing they haven't done is in vitro. And Mary says someday she thinks, okay, let's go for it. Let's just see what happens. Let's let fate take its course. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it was not supposed to be. And she wasn't supposed to have another kid. And there are other days where Mary thinks, do I really want to do that? Mary says she just feels so conflicted in her head and it drives her nuts. Now, I noticed with Elaine, her sister, she didn't feel conflicted. She felt like she's not sure she wants to do this again and she's not desperate for it anymore and she's in a time in her life where she doesn't want to start over again and she's really not sure she doesn't want to do this. It seems like she's really leaning towards a hard no. But all of a sudden, when Mary gets around Cody and Leo, she starts doing a push and pull of, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm not sure. So I feel like Mary kind of knows she doesn't want to do this. And this conversation with her sister really gave me a different perspective. And I wonder, does Mary vacillate with the IVF? Not because she's not sure she doesn't want to have a baby, but she knows most likely she doesn't want to do this at this stage in her life. She's not so sure she wants this. But she knows it gets her attention from Cody and she doesn't want to break Leon's heart. So she just goes back and forth with it, even though in the back of her mind, she's pretty certain she doesn't want to do this. Because when she's with her sister, she's saying that she already tried everything and she's in another phase of her life. She doesn't feel that desire as present. So I think Mary maybe uses it a little bit for attention. And I think she did want a baby at one point, but she doesn't want to do a hard no and At the time when she later on decides she wants a baby and Cody shuts her down, I'm sure that was very hurtful for her. But I think if Mary really, really wants to have a baby, all the options are in front of her and she could have. And if she was really sure, she would jump at the chance. With her sister, she seems pretty clear that she doesn't want to do this. So Cody tells Mary the clock is ticking. And Elaine suggests that maybe Mary should just try the IVF once. And Mary asks how weird that would be if it worked. So she, if it worked, her response is that would be weird. And she wonders if she is ready if it did work. She's not sure that if it works that she wants to do this. You see, she's worried that if it works, she'll have a baby at this time in her life. And she doesn't really want that. And she knows that she needs to decide if she is ready for this if it did work. So that leads me to believe she really doesn't want to do this at this point in her life. Cody tells Mary that Elaine gave her her thoughts and he wants to know now what Mary thinks. And Mary doesn't know if her talk with Elaine helped her or not. And that's what's confusing about the whole thing. Mary says she wants to get everybody's opinions and Cody asks Mary why she doesn't just get God's opinion. And Mary says she's trying. She's trying to figure out a solution and she is very indecisive But she doesn't feel this is something trivial like, oh, what color car should I buy? And Cody wants to start the process with Mary of choosing the doctor and dropping the cash and moving that direction for that baby in two months. And he says it's no or it's yes. And Cody tells Mary she needs to decide for her because regardless, he knows he's going to have more kids. So he is very confident saying to Mary, all right, lover, we're good now. No more kids. So Mary has to decide if she is good saying, I'm okay not having a baby, or if she decides, I'm going to do everything I can to try and do it. 
and Cody wants to make a decision about what to do. He wants to close the deal now. And he wants to know, will Mary sign the contract? Yes or no? And Mary is getting very tearful and she tells Cody she's not kidding. She doesn't go a day without thinking about it. See how around Cody, Mary vacillates and she's unsure. But when she's with her sister, she says, God, what would I do if it worked? If this works, it would be weird. I don't know if I want to do this at this time in my life. She seems to be pretty sure she doesn't want to do this. But when she's around Cody, she gets emotional. She vacillates. She says she isn't sure. So I wonder if Mary enjoys getting attention and support from Cody that she wouldn't get if she just straight up told Cody, no, I don't want to do this. And maybe she knows how invested Leo is in having a bio sibling and she doesn't want to upset Leo as well. Cody wants a time frame on this from Mary of when she'll decide. And he wants to get through the busyness with their work for the next two months. And then he wants to make a decision with Mary. And Mary just says she'll do her best. She's not going to give him a firm answer. And Cody wants at least one close today. He wants to know when Mary will be ready to decide. So Mary negotiates for the end of the year. And Cody agrees that they will decide when they move into the new homes. And Mary promises that she'll make a decision then. And Cody tells her that she has till they are moved into those houses that month that they move in, Mary will have to make a decision. And Mary says that she's good with that. But it's interesting because Mary seems really sure that it would be weird if it worked out. And she doesn't know that she wants to do this with her sister. So Mary's in tears and Cody comforts her as usual. Anytime Cody tries getting concrete answers, Mary cries. And... Cody says they just can't keep going in circles and Mary's sobbing at this point and Cody tells Mary she may feel differently about this and have a sure answer when they move into the homes and Mary tells Cody she herself wonders about that so they agree they're going to decide once they're in the homes and Cody apologizes to Mary he tells her he's sorry he knows that this is hard on her and Mary tells Cody she doesn't think he knows that it's hard on her. It didn't seem that hard on her when she was talking to her sister Elaine. That conversation gave me a whole new perspective. Mary was saying things like, I don't know if I want to do this at this time in my life. I don't know if I really want to start over. Do I really want to do this? God, it would be so weird if it worked. What am I going to do if it works? Like she seemed like she was hoping almost like it wouldn't work. So I wonder if part of the push and pull is a little bit about her getting support and attention from Cody the longer this goes on and also her not wanting to disappoint Leo, who is very invested and emotionally involved in wanting to have a biological sibling. So who knows? So Mary doesn't think Cody understands how hard this is on her. So I really, really do wonder how much of this baby thing is an actual push-pull in Mary's mind, and how much of it is even a subconscious way for her to be getting attention and support from Cody that she may otherwise not be getting. I sincerely believe that Mary is brokenhearted and that she's devastated that she can't have more kids. And I also think that after seeing the conversation with her sister where she says it would be weird if it worked out and she's not sure she wants to do this and she doesn't have that much of a desire as much as she used to, her sister says that and Mary agrees to that, 
So I'm just not sure that she really wants to go through with having a child. I think she can get attention from Cody. And I think at this point in her life, she's not sure she wants to do it all over again. And I think Mary keeps vacillating and holding out, making this decision longer and longer in coming. It puts Leo and Cody on emotional roller coasters. And with her sister, Mary really seemed almost sure that she didn't want to do this. I think that if Mary really wanted this wholeheartedly at this point in her life, she had every option open to her, including a free surrogate. And she may not have felt comfortable using Robin, but she probably wouldn't have needed all of this thought and consideration if she was sure that she wanted this. At first, I really thought Mary's hesitancy was about getting her hopes up to be devastated again, and I'm sure that that's a part of it. But I also think that this situation and not having a decision and vacillating gets her a lot of extra support and attention from Cody and probably from Leo as well. And Mary probably also doesn't want to disappoint Leo. Leo lived with their mom through this loss, through this hole, through this desperation of Mary being brokenhearted and really wanting to have a child. And Leo was invested in this. They really wanted a biological sibling. And with Elaine, even though Mary vacillates with Cody and Leo, and she's very emotional about this, she's very unsure, with Elaine, when she was speaking with her sister, Mary really seemed to know she didn't want to do this. So this is very difficult emotionally for Leo and for Cody, and it's hard on her too. But part of me wonders if Mary maybe subconsciously also uses this as a way to get extra attention and support from Cody. Because if Mary really wanted a baby at this time, the option is right there and available if this is really her dream. And I think if she was sure about this, she would be sure and she would utilize the tools that she had to make it possible. And I think she would know 100% and she would be sure. I don't think she would vacillate. Anyways, that does it for this episode. Wet bars, tardiness, goblins, and all. To my YouTube viewers, don't forget to like and subscribe. To my podcast listeners, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you listen and give it all the stars in the universe. I'll be back soon with the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch. Sister Wives Season 5, Episode 3, More Sister Wives, where we meet the Dargers and the Browns and the Dargers go on a vacation and we learn what a hot button issue kitchens are for the Brown family. It's going to be interesting to see Joe's approach to polygamy and the dynamic in his family versus the dynamic of the Browns and how Cody interacts with his family. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye.